Welcome to Lead Sex at Nova School of Business and Economics, the podcast where every week we go over the major trends that are impacting change and transformation in our world. Welcome to another episode of Lead Sex. This week we are going to talk about cryptos. Cryptocurrency has been on the mouth of the world for a long time now. Um, there was like fever, bubbles, ICOs, and but there's also like PayPal just announced that they are starting to accept crypto. Like there are a lot of movements that are happening in the market. And we have a very special guest today to tell us where we are now and where he thinks we are going. We are with Fred Antunes. Fred is the president of the Portuguese Blockchain and Cryptocurrency Association. He's also a tech entrepreneur and is the CEO with Real Fever, a scale-up company that works in the fantasy sports arena. They have already uh, half a million users worldwide and they are going for a Series A right now at a very nice valuation that he was selling us before the podcast. So uh, Fred, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And we are also here with Nick that is our student co-host for today, this episode. So Fred, where are we now with crypto? We've seen uh, crypto winter. I remember being in Davos like, two, three years ago, and everything was crypto. They took over of the Andavos. They were throwing the best parties. It was just like uh, crazy, like a little bit in like the 2000s. Uh, everything was crypto and crypto. I remember being, um, I remember being in like some really insane conversations. I remember people would come to you and it's like, what are you doing in this space? And it's like, what space? It's like, no, you know, like blockchain, crypto. It's like, if you were someone, you had to be in crypto. I remember uh, people telling me about ICOs that uh, I was like, but what is it exactly about that you do? It's like, oh, we don't know yet, but we already fundraised millions. And, and I was like, okay, this looks like the bubble we had in the 2000s. This was a few years ago. So we've seen like... Uh, Bitcoin, for instance, going down in value. Now it's coming up again. Uh, Square just bought a ton of money in um, in uh, Bitcoin as well. A few last week, I believe. Uh, PayPal had made announcements. Uh, we have large banks coming into it. What's going on? Where are we? Okay. First of all, thank you very much for the invitation. It is my pleasure, my honor to be here tonight. Uh, well. Where are we? Um, I think we are in just in the beginning. So uh, 11 years ago, I think it started the implementation of the technology, you know, the pilot, let's say, with Bitcoin. Uh, but in fact, if we want to, to, to be really precise about the technology, I think the, the, the very first important key point uh, in the roadmap was in 1998, when Nick Szabo um, published the, the smart contract and the, the BitGold uh, protocol. So basically, um, once the internet started, uh, there was a group who really inspired me since the beginning called it Cypherpunks. And for those who are really interested to get deep into crypto, they should, of course, to investigate Cypherpunks. Cypherpunks was like a digital um, community of people somehow digital anarchists, let's say, uh, who were always complaining um, against the traditional financial and the traditional corrupted society that we were living in. And uh, there are a few 
famous cypherpunks. I think the most important one is Julian Assange uh, from WikiLeaks, who inspired so many uh, whistleblowers uh, all over the world uh, to, to, to put to the public uh, all the corrupted things uh, in, you know, in the high level of That finance. just got apparently resident nationality or residency in, um, in Russia, right? This yeah, week, exactly. Exactly, exactly. This week. And after that, Nick Zabo, I think, is really, you know, besides being one of my uh, most important uh, teachers slash uh, entrepreneurs slash innovators in the world, uh, in 1998, he just, you know, of course, a few more try to, to solve out the issue. But the issue basically was this. Since there is internet, and internet is a layer that covers the whole planet, uh, why should we keep using a physical money uh, connected to a specific country, to a specific nation? So we should think about the solution where money covers the whole world and people can uh, transact uh, value directly in a peer-to-peer -peer approach instead of having all this a lot of intermediaries in the middle, especially if we talk about cross-border transactions, where, for example, if you want to send money from Lisbon, Portugal to Mexico, uh, the money yeah. needs to go like uh, to, to five different or even 10 different places. And what was the first initial proposal uh, of uh, Nick Zabo was really to solve out this issue, to have a peer-to-peer -peer, um, transaction, uh, electronic cash, let's say, for payments. And basically, in 10 years, uh, a lot of other proposals came in. None of them were, was successful. And in 2008, a pseudonym called Nick Zabo, uh, Nick Zabo Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, published the Bitcoin protocol. And uh, why was Bitcoin the successful one and not the other protocols before? I think there was two reasons. The first one, the first... Uh, big financial crisis that started with the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers uh, in 2008. And a lot of people started to complain about the financial system because it was Lehman Brothers, then it was the Madoff uh, scandal. And then even in Europe, we had a lot of situations where uh, the banking system was really, really corrupted and completely un unfunctional. And of course, Bitcoin... To capitalized and became, started to become famous exactly because of there was a lot of people, you know, um, that, that day after day started to become more sensible that uh, we would need to have uh, another solution that would not be centralized uh, in banks or in governments, but that would be completely decentralized uh, and uh, without anyone with the power to manipulate it. And this was really you know, the, the game changer. Today, 10 years after, <laughs> a lot of things uh, happen. Uh, some very good things, some very bad things. But I would say we are just, you know, we are just in the beginning. Uh, I'm, I have internet in my house since 1995. And uh, if I could do, a, you know, a comparison from the past and for today, it's like the moment where uh, IBM released the first uh, Pentium one, let's say. So we had the age of uh, the, the, the Commodore Amigas. We had the age of the Timex, of the Spectrum, okay? Uh, and 
we had the age of the 286, the 386, and the 486 processors. But I think... I know, remember the, those still. And the Spectrums. The, yeah, exactly. I had two of them. And we are in the age where a personal computer started to be something cheap. And IBM and Microsoft with Windows uh, 95 uh, started to go for mass adoption. So I would say that today the crypto road, uh, the crypto, uh, the digital assets road is in the stage of uh, it's ready to depart. It's ready to go to mass adoption, but it will still need time. So these 10 years. What's where... mass adoption for you? Tell mass me a adoption. little bit. How do you define mass adoption? Well, mass adoption is the Because I think, I think one, of, one of the things that, that there's like, it makes all the sense in the world. As a concept, mm -hmm. it makes all the sense in the world. Mm -hmm. I think I'd probably one of the things was, it was a little chaotic so far, and that's part of the creative process as well, for mm -hmm. something which is a currency. So usually we are used like to have money a little bit more organized and structured, And mm -hmm. like the, all the market movements and so on. And people were taking advantage of it in, in different ways. But, uh, but yeah, it makes, it makes sense to, for Bitcoin to actually, um, it makes a lot of sense. Um, um, so, but sorry to interrupt you. What uh, uh, mass adoption, what is it for you? It's like that well, we can pay well, a pizza like in most places and not in some places or? Uh, well, Uh, I like to do some comparisons, you know, just for people understand uh, my, my perspective and just go like 10 years ago or 15 years ago to have a mobile phone was something that only the very rich people or the very technical people could have access to that. Today, mobile phones, they, they have really a mass adoption because even the people without knowledge, they have a smartphone and they operated with it. They go to Facebook, to Instagram, to Twitter. So when I speak about mass adoption is when the access to the technology becomes so easy and so user-friendly that uh, everybody, uh, or at least the majority of the population can use it uh, in a very comfortable way. Um, and when I speak about mass, mass adoption, I think this is the best possible concept in my perspective. So. Cryptocurrencies are really, really far, <laughs> really behind this moment, in my opinion. And especially because with mobile phones and, and smartphones, everything was easier uh, here. Uh, and it is easier. Why? Because in the case of smartphones, there was no legacy behind, you know. So basically Steve Jobs and Nokia and, uh, and uh, Huawei and Samsung, they were just discovering a brand new technology with, without any kind of resistance or any kind of very powerful legacy. In the case of cryptocurrencies, the things will need more time because the impact is huge uh, because it goes directly to the central banks, to the United States Federal Reserve. Uh, it touches a lot of powerful people that uh, one of the two, or they get on board, and they approve it, or they will try to take it down. Today, I think it's impossible to take it down, and the time will never go back, okay? That, that is my opinion. But it will need at least, uh, I think, more 20 years, 20 to 30 years to, to take the old system completely down, 
and to have this brand new system uh, fully implemented. But attention, it's not only about the cryptocurrencies, it's really about the way we live, the way that we interact, the, the way we think about the country, the way we think about the nation. Can you, can you just like um, give us like a quick overview of the relationship? Because I think a lot of uh, our audience might not know between blockchain and crypto. Well, and uh, cryptocurrency, sorry. And blockchain uh, and Bitcoin, because I think then we can go into like the different uh, currencies. Yes, it's, it's very simple. And the metaphor is pretty much clear. Just imagine yourself in Vatican, okay? And uh, take a look at uh, St. Peter's Cathedral. And basically the Vatican is the technology, is the blockchain. And St. Peter's Cathedral is the best possible ever example of the existence of uh, the Pope <laughs> and the whole power okay. of the, the Christians, right? So that is Bitcoin, of course. And mm -hmm. for, for those who think about St. Peter's Cathedral out of Vatican, it does not make any sense. So the Vatican is the technology, okay? Mm -hmm. And St. Peter's Cathedral is Bitcoin. And if you go to Vatican, and I'm, going, I'm giving you that example because I've been there two weeks ago, and uh, mm -hmm. it was really uh, a clear picture of that. You know, there are thousands of different churches, uh, thousands of different libraries, th thousands of um, uh, sacred places that in fact remain in the Vatican. And even if you open it to Rome, it's like a lot of monuments. So if you think about blockchain technology is the playground where you develop whatever uh, crypto currency. It's like a technology. So it's a technology behind the cryptocurrency. I think it's a bit more than a technology. I, uh, before anything else, it's a database, but a database with a very particular uh, assets. The first of all is that it's not possible to have a super admin that enters the database and erase data or change data or delete data, that, that is the, the, the biggest asset of a, of a blockchain database. And second one is because uh, there is no super admin, um, nobody can control it. So it runs alone by themselves alone, as long as uh, there are miners in the world. And miners are people who are connected to the network to guarantee that the, this decentralization concept uh, happens. So when you operate a cloud computing, of course, you need to have uh, redundancy and probably you have a cluster in London, a cluster in Frankfurt and a cluster in New York, let's say. Mm -hmm. But uh, with the blockchain technology, basically you have millions of computers connected all over the world from Norway to Antarctica and from China to Mexico and from Canada to, to Argentina, let's say. So if someone tries to shut down the technology, or the database, it's not possible. It's simple, not possible. You have to shut down the internet first, and then <laughs> you shut down uh, the, 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 the Bitcoin blockchain or any other who works in a proof of work uh, protocol. Okay, and um, Nick? Yeah, um, so there's no, um, perhaps in the Vatican, there's no one uh, running Vatican, basically. If you go, if we go back to the to the example, can you hear me? Uh, say say again, please. I did not understand. Sorry. 
So basically, uh, in, 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 if we go back to the example, there is no um, no one running the Vatican in, in, in blockchain. Uh, of course, who runs the Vatican is God in the end, right? Mm. <laughs> so okay, uh, <laughs> it goes beyond the, the mankind. And uh, this is the way that I see the blockchain when it is implemented, because sometimes I go to conferences and you like know, God is all of us at the end. It's like, yeah, it's exactly. God is all yeah. of us. Nobody can see it. Nobody can control it. But we know that somehow, you know, there is some people who says that he exists. So uh, it's more or less uh, like this. You know, the, the technology provides the support for you to develop uh the 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 concept that you want and of course there was people in the past using the technology in the past in the present and probably in the future using the technology for the bad and of course there is people using the technology for the good you know so what we tried what about what about icos yes because speaking of people using the technology (laughs) for icos like i went to a couple of of conferences about ICOs and Mm -hmm. I was and and I really tried to understand them and they looked to me like uh, you had a coupon for a gym you don't like to work out uh people were selling you coupons for a gym and you would basically buy it thinking someone is going to buy that promotion coupon more Uh more expensive it was like I saw absolutely no value in them whatsoever. Well, and it was a great way to go around regulation. I, it was a great way to get money, but uh, for an investor, it's like, okay, invest with me with any, without any guarantee or any safety measure. Well, imagine something like this. Um, do you know Jordan Belfort from Wolf of Wall Street? Probably yes. no. <laughs> yes. Imagine just like uh, thousands of Jordan Belfort uh, spreading information all over the internet that you will be rich uh, by the next uh, 10 days. And basically what they were saying was, listen, if you would buy Bitcoin in 2011, 2010, probably uh, with 100 bucks, you will be a millionaire today. So this is like the second wave of opportunity where you buy something, you invest like $500 uh, and in six months or one year, you will be millionaire. And with this kind of communication and the commercial skills of Jordan Belfort, uh, you know, of course, people started a new hype um, and they were following the Bitcoin uh, price to $20,000, the whole time high. So uh, the ICOs were release a crowdfunding uh, opportunity completely unregulated and without mm-hmm. any kind of supervision because the supervisor itself he was not ready to control it or to supervise because he did not know anything about this technology because they were sleeping so at least during two years uh, since 2016 2018 everybody was completely free uh, in an in um, anarchic internet uh, to 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 gather uh, whatever money they could uh, do and most of the people of course thinking that they will be millionaires by tomorrow uh, they were investing because you know how it works the emotions of uh, mankind it's like it's like a wave most of the people they are sheep and they want to follow the shepherd 
And uh, basically, the shepherds, they organize all themselves at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and they say, okay, let's take the price to 20,000. It was the uh, silence of the lambs. And yeah, a exactly. lot of them went exactly. like to the butcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, attention. Uh, don't interpret me wrong. Uh, they were very good ICOs and very honest projects. I was part of a few of them. Uh, and people is still operating, is still using the, the use of proceeds uh, are being really well uh, applied. And people, uh, when got like one or two million, they did not buy a Ferrari or a Lambo, you know. They are really yeah. uh, developing projects. And for example, here in Portugal, we had two very successful uh, international ICOs from Aptoid and from Utrust. And uh, they are doing a, a, a marvelous job. Uh, so what are they doing uh, with Aptoid basically is a, an open market for Android uh, to go against Google um, yeah. so it's a, a decentralized platform like a side loading uh, yeah yeah exactly Jailbreak. yeah yeah and uh, Utrust basically is like the PayPal of crypto so they develop the a technology where you can to all the e-commerce platforms they have plugins to integrate the crypto payments to all the users and they do the bridge and the security between uh, fiat and crypto. So it's a really wonderful project and uh, they are still operated. They changed the CEO uh, this year uh, for Nunu, who was one of the founders, now is the, the chairman and they hired um, a fantastic uh, professional from PayPal called uh, Sanja Kohn, which is the current CEO. So they are doing a marvelous job And uh, they are using their money in a very, you know, uh, wise and in a very smart uh, perspective. So I would say 96% or 97% of the ICOs were fake, were bullshit, were scam. But, uh, of course, 3, 4, 5% of them were very successful and are still running and, and rising. And Fred, uh, I think one thing that people are always like, um, people love our predictions. We're now in uh, around 12, between 12,500, 13,000 today, <laughs> the Bitcoin. Where do you see it like by the end of the year and then by the end of next year and in five years? Well, uh, first of all, I have, uh, I, I hate to do predictions, you know. Oh, uh, but I they're have, fun. Have, well, <laughs> we'll put the uh, disclaimer. <laughs> I, I'm going, to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that personal disclaimer that this is not a financial advisor at any exactly. level. Exactly. And invest your money at your own risk. And if you lose everything, never text me because I will exactly. not help you at all. Uh, with, 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 with this said, um, I, I give you my personal perspective. And uh, I'm speaking by myself. I'm, I'm here almost since the beginning. I was very lucky uh, to enter in this since the beginning, almost since the beginning. And I can tell you that uh, I've seen Bitcoin in cents. I've seen Bitcoin in 20,000. And I did not sell one Bitcoin at all. So uh, mm -hmm. I saw it from cents to 500, to 1,000, to 20,000. Then to do a short uh, back, to 2,800, 3,000, 5,000, even this year, right? Yeah. Uh, and now I'm watching it again at 12,000. For me, I tell you this, Bitcoin in 20 years must go at least to the minimum of 100,000. And I explain you why based in very, very simple economics 
that my daughter of five years old can understand. Dollars and euros are, bring, are being printed in a crazy way by the Central European Bank and by the United States Federal Reserve. So, man, you have a smart five year old. Did you start a conversation with that? <laughs> no, because no, she understands. No, I'm, she, I'm, I'm joking. She I'm understands joking, the right? basics, you know, yeah, she yeah, understands yeah. the basics. So, uh, as long as you have more uh, euros and uh, dollars um, circulating, you will not have uh, Bitcoin printed at the same level. So, basically, if you divide one by the other, the value of Bitcoin will always increase because of its rarity, okay? It, it does not exist anything else. You know, there will be 18 million and nothing more. With euros and dollars, it's unlimited. So as long as they keep printing it, for me, it's just perfect because the price will always goes up and that's it. Of course, we need to follow uh, the, the increase of the, um, of the use cases. Uh, and one of them, I think, It is related directly, for example, with AML5, anti-money laundry uh, 5, because banks are just trying, you know, to control everything. And European Union is exactly the same. And they are not open their minds, opening their minds to understand that, okay, it's better to accept it than to try to fight it. And uh, I see, for example, nowadays, uh, countries like Turkey or countries like Brazil, where their currencies is going down a lot, Uh, compared to dollar or euro, basically the only way that they have uh, to store value is to buy Bitcoin. Because if they have uh, reais uh, or if they have Turkish liras, they are just losing money every day, losing value. And Bitcoin becomes the perfect solution to as a store of value. So uh, it's digital, you can move it, it's safe, It's anonymous, it's private, uh, and I'm speaking about Bitcoin as I could speak about any yeah. other uh, cryptocurrency. But uh, it gives uh, the, the, to the citizen freedom and power of their assets. You know, the assets do not belong uh, to the government or do not belong to the bank. My assets are mine, and it should be like that. And the only technology, the only solution that I see today in this physical slash digital world is to have crypto. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have I, that I much like, money I in like, the bank account. Yeah, and I like, I like uh, if you look at it with perspectives, and um, I like that it went down because there was like far too much noise. It's a little bit like what happened with e-commerce and so on. So it went mm -hmm. down like it was crazy because everyone was on it and everyone was trying to go for the quick buck. And now we are going through the winter where everybody has been like working underground mm -hmm. so that when spring comes, like I think a much more solid uh, infrastructure and solutions are coming. And do you think like in the next one, two years, where do you see it? Do you see still a lot of fluctuation, like going back to 2000, 3000, yeah. back up again? Sometimes there is a question that a lot of people ask me, especially yeah. the, more, the, 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 the older guys and more the traditional guys which is where is the store of value of Bitcoin? What, what, you know, what, what is the, back, uh, the backup 
of uh, of Bitcoin? Where, where is because a lot of people think that money is still like uh, correlated with government with uh, gold yeah, as well with gold. Because But that, yeah, that ended in like I don't know, like uh, I don't remember when we finished. Uh, I think it was called the gold standard or something. But yeah, that's like yeah. A, But that happened in 1978. Thing. 1978, yeah. it disappeared. You know, and uh, currently, not almost no countries in the world are covering their, in the past it used to be 20% of the coin uh, circulating used to have uh, gold as a asset bucket. But uh, today, none of them are using that. But if, if I can give you this input, and, and, and I think it's really the most important thing, besides the technology, besides the decentralization, besides whatever sexy and trendy thing that we can say about Bitcoin or, or any other crypto, the biggest store of value of this technology and these assets are the people who is behind it. Because the smartest and the most intelligent people in the world who is leading the future, not political, not uh, uh, financial, not from banks, but from the technology, they all own at least one BTC. And that is where <laughs> the real value is. And now you're So now we've been talking a lot about uh, Bitcoin, mm -hmm. um, but um, now let's go a little bit into something a little different uh, or not different, like, but we have like, we want, why do we need like other coins? Like Ethereum, for instance, or of all the other need. coins? Of course like, we need. Uh, I'm, I'm not why? a Bitcoin fundamentalist. Because if we're creating, no, but if we create like uh, one currency, uh -huh. in theory, like, It I would don't have know, more the, the crypto concept. Yeah. No, the crypto con uh, concept for me makes sense. In, we are globalizing the world. We mm -hmm. need to make like quick uh, um, value exchanges. Yes. We have one currency. Why do, and the, 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 the concept of currency, country per country, was a little bit like for monetary policy and because mm -hmm. society is developed independent of the country next door. Um, yeah. As we have a more global economy, why do we need different cryptocurrencies in your opinion? Okay, that, that is a, a marvelous question, very intelligent question. Uh, and of course, the, the basic is if it would be just, today we have a market cap of half a billion, uh, or mm -hmm. half a trillion. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, if, if it would be just Bitcoin, all that amount of money, Uh, Bitcoin would worth at least $60,000 or $75,000. And, and that kind of uh, approach is correct. However, uh, by this blockchain and decentralization philosophy, I think we are always, uh, we, we must keep the basics and the first concept, which is everything should go to the market in a freedom and in a free approach and the best one will survive and will have more value. And what happens in the crypto role, because it is decentralized, it is not centralized, nobody can decide what is the strategy and what is the best currency to, to opt in. So basically, I defend that all coins should go to the market and it should be the market that will decide their valuation. That's it. No, I agree. My only thing is, do we actually need them as like uh, as a society? I, I think <laughs> so. A little bit more. I, I think so because uh, 
okay, let, let me make this uh, simple definition. One thing is a cryptocurrency, another thing is a token. So a cryptocurrency is really like digital money or digital yeah. store of value, okay, without a significant uh, tangible or physical asset Assets, yeah. uh, related with it. When we speak about tokens, which in fact most of the currencies <laughs> are tokens, we are, yeah. we, we are speaking about a lot of things in the world that you can tokenize. I give you like three major examples. The first one, you are going to tokenize your miles card of TAP when you fly from Lisbon to Cancun, okay? And basically, why that miles are uh, just in your card in a virtual approach and not in a tokenized procedure where you can use that tokens to buy other uh, services or goods or even to transact that tokens with your wife, girlfriend, daughter or any other friend or family member, okay? So this is one of the first mm -hmm. use cases. The second one is you have a diamond, okay? Uh, and you want to sell that diamond to someone. But in fact, most of your friends, they don't have money to buy that diamond alone by themselves. So basically what you do is you secure the diamond and you tokenize it in 1 million pieces. And you sell that diamond to 1 million pieces, okay? And you divide... And basically, you, then you can transact pieces of that diamond, which in fact exists, but it can be tr transacted everywhere in the world. And if the diamond generates more value, you know, the value to all the stakeholders will be increased, for example. And we can do this with a lot of other commodities or a lot of other, uh, in, in all the trading market, we, we can do it with wood, with corn, with oil, with diamonds, with gold, whatever. And finally, uh, th there are other specific tokens called vanity tokens that let's say that we want to tokenize ourselves. And I think that I am so good, or I'm not going to speak about myself. Let's talk about Elon Musk, for example. Elon mm -hmm. Musk is like, how much words Elon Musk, if we could buy him? Uh, some people would pay 100 bucks, some people would pay zero, some people would pay 1 million, for sure. So if you tokenize Elon Musk uh, and you split it in pieces, and basically the owner of each piece has the right to drink a coffee with Elon Musk once per year, how much would you pay for this experience? You know. So when we mm -hmm. speak about a lot of currencies, don't think only about the currency like the traditional currency or the digital currency, but think also about what kind of asset is behind that token. And okay. if you go to, to analyze all of them, yeah, there are like 3,000 different uh, currencies, but only 10 are really pure cryptocurrencies. Which, which ones are those? Uh, you can and there's about... a difference. There's a significant difference as well, Ethereum and Bitcoin as well. Can you explain a little bit both? Yes, of course. Which uh, ones are the main, the two questions, which ones are the main and uh, what's the difference? Well, Bitcoin is an old technology uh, and uh, currently uh, is the biggest blockchain in the world, but it, it's, it's getting old. It's slow. Uh, there is not, the, not that much things that you can do besides transact coin, okay? The, the game changer with Ethereum was that Ethereum brought 
uh, an upgrade in terms of blockchain because you can deploy, you can code inside the Ethereum platform with a, with a, a coding language called Solidity, which is very similar to JavaScript. Uh, and with, with Solidity, you can code smart contracts. And basically that smart contracts will operate thousands of different uh, procedures that uh, will solve out a lot of mass adoption problems in the future, okay? Uh, mm -hmm. So with Bitcoin, you cannot develop anything there. There, there is no possibility about dApps, decentralized applications. If you want to build a chat, if you want to build a website, if you want to build um, uh, a music live stream platform, if you want to build uh, uh, a Zoom platform, uh, Bitcoin blockchain does not let you do that. But with Ethereum, it's more like a developed platform, a developed platform where the Ether, the, the coin, uh, is the asset back uh, to, to, to guarantee that the, the platform will keep run. So as long as the value increase, um, the, the whole network is even more protected. Perfect. Nick? Yes? <laughs> As, uh, I think you have a few questions. Yeah, I have, I have a couple of questions. So basically, sure. um, the, the, the reason why there are different um, cryptocurrencies is basically on um, because on how they how they work different, how the, how the technology behind it is working, mm -hmm. um, how, how the cryptocurrency, what function, what tools the cryptocurrency brings with itself. Yes, of course. Um, but can you, can you predict if there might be uh, in the future a cryptocurrency which will be developed, which can kind of bound all the different tools together. So there might become a, a simple um, cryptocurrency which um, everyone globally can use. Or do you think it will um, stay like what we have right now that we have different cryptocurrencies with all their different... Um, well, uh, first of all, we have another hype like this year with uh, DeFi or DeFi decentralized finance. And uh, that is another hype like ICOs. 5% <laughs> is very good. 95% are scam. <laughs> but once again, every time you have a bubble to burst is because there is a trend behind it, okay? Of course, the bubble bursts because uh, it, it, uh, it goes very fast. But uh, behind that, there is a new trend. And I think the biggest issue with, with the blockchain adoption is really how to connect it to the real world, to, to, to the physical world. Mm -hmm. So if we are talking only about coin, it's easy to solve out because you have a smartphone, you have an app, you interact with it, fine. But if we try to apply blockchain technology to different things in the world, it becomes really hard to connect uh, the, the, the physical information and register it in a blockchain. Of course, there are one thing called oracles and through uh, Internet of Things, IoT devices, you register that data inside the blockchain and then the blockchain does the governance, let's say. But I would say in the future, uh, I would not like to see just one coin to rule them all because I hate that perspective. That, that, that is where, you know, the 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 communism or the nazism or whatever appears and i hate it I, I like to 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 think always about meritocracy and free will uh but 
I think the adoption, probably the market will pick like three, four, five different coins and will apply it uh, depending on uh, what we need. So we know that we have microtransactions local. We know that we have large transactions cross-board. And I think the market will choose different protocols to, 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 to provide the best solution to the, to the end user. So for example, for microtransactions, I think Ripple is the best uh, to use. I think for last transactions cross-board with a lot of security, there is nothing better than Monero. And even if you ask me, if you read the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper today, uh, probably the project that is more similar to Satoshi Nakamoto vision and idea is Monero, is not Bitcoin. But anyways, this is a very controversial thing when, we, <laughs> when I am with <laughs> more like uh, geek people about uh, Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin fundamentalists because there are so many Bitcoin fundamentalists and it is something that I don't like uh, to, 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 to be. You know, I, I, I hope to always have my mind open yeah. and uh, to do not do the mistake of the traditional bank people uh, and repeat that mistakes in the crypto world. I hope to, to crypto world to be completely open-minded all the time and market will decide. Yeah, I think it's a, a great idea. But um, if I if I look back to the to to well, cryptocurrencies has to be used by someone, and um, if if we take a look at the people, it's much more complicated. If you think about that, uh, a person cannot um, like invest in one cryptocurrency alone because mm -hmm. he might or he or she might not be be able to to use this cryptocurrency for all possible um, transaction um, cases. You know what I mean? Let, might let, be a, let, yeah. let me give you this perspective because I, I think we, it will have a lot of value to this podcast. And sometimes I forget to say this. And uh, Go I'm for happy, it. Go I'm for happy it. that you, uh, you, you brought the, the, the question to the table. Don't think about investing Bitcoin because you are expecting to have more euros. No, no. This, uh, think about... I, wh when you think about crypto... Think about something that you buy very cheap today and that you will use it in the future. And it will be euro that will be useless in the future. It will be the dollar that will be useless in the future. In the same way that today the real or the Turkish lira or the Zimbabwe coin or the Bolivar in, in Venezuela is useless today. You know? So for me, uh, of, I have a salary from the company where I am CEO. And I can tell you that more than 50% of my revenue <laughs> goes to keep buying Bitcoin and other are currencies. You still buying that, are you buying at this price? I buy at every price because it was 200,000. I'm always make, going to make money, you know? Okay. But, but this is just my perspective, okay? It's not a financial... And Fred, Fred uh, we're getting to, to the end of, uh, of our mm -hmm. time. I think we should continue in the future. It's been a, a really great conversation. Thank you so okay. much. For people that want to start investing and want to know a little bit more about the space and about the technology and everything, uh, what do you recommend? How can people actually start um, playing with it, get the first uh, information? Like, how do you think, what's the right, what's the right approach? Uh, <clears throat> I think the, the, I'm going to answer you with, with the biggest problem when people start. 
the biggest problem is to buy something that they know nothing. Okay, so before you buy, uh, I think you should do your own due diligence and you should look at least at the life of three persons. The first one is Nick Zabo and read his blog because he has a fantastic, marvelous blog that he publishes like uh, two, three times per year since 2005 uh, or 2001. And his blog, you can find it in Wikipedia and uh, all the information about what, what kind of philosophy or concept is behind this, it comes from Nick Zabo. After that, you must read uh, the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper of Bitcoin for you to understand the Bible, right? So you don't go to the church without reading the Bible, or at least you, you read little pieces each Sunday when you go to the mass, but at least from time to time you are reading it, right? And the third thing is to follow on Twitter, one guy called it Adam Bach, uh, he is very, very active, um, and Adam How do you Bach. spell that? Adam, A-G-A-M. Adam Bach. Okay. Bach, B-A-C-K. Okay. Adam Bach. Okay, Adam, okay. Adam Bach is the, the, the first person that, or, or better, the second person, Al Finley was the first, uh, the, the second person who received the Bitcoin from the anonymous Satoshi Nakamoto. And he is currently the CEO of Blockstream, which is the company who runs uh, the, the Bitcoin core code in terms of development and future decisions. So uh, these three. Besides that, you should follow Antonio Pompliano podcasts because you will learn a lot about finances and a lot about crypto. And his interviews are absolutely great. And uh, also uh, and Anthony Antonopoulos, uh, which is a really, really important person uh, in the Bitcoin world and uh, watch his uh, YouTube videos and everything. After that, make a decision to invest, but at least bring value to the community. And to bring value to the community is, is to have knowledge, you know, be a, a store of knowledge. And in consequence, you are going to be a store of value for this community and for our bright future. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you a lot. Um, it's been really good. Uh, thank you so much, Nick. This was the Lead Sacks podcast, and it is produced by Marika Agelberg, Marius Busen, Philippe Santiago Lopes, and David Bernardo Santo. We'll see you next week. <laughs>